I, uh, I hopped a plane yesterday morning to come home from Uvalde, and um, our team is still out there. They're coming home this afternoon. Uh, I left the ranch about 3 a.m. yesterday morning, caught a 5.40 a.m. flight out of San Antonio. Let me just stop and say to you, it is amazing how fast you can drive at 3 a.m. in Texas. I flew from Uvalde to uh, San Antonio, and then I caught a plane. And uh, I, I wish I could explain well how incredibly proud I am of you, how proud I am of our team. For those of you that, all of you that brought so much, you, you funded, you brought food and diapers and school supplies and gym equipment, and I just, you all just blew my mind. When it was all said and done, we started off trying to raise about $15,000, and uh, y'all raised about $47,000. Yeah. And let me assure you, we're spending it. We, uh, we served about uh, 15, 1,600 people out there, hundreds of families. Um, when we were at the Border Patrol station in Del Rio, you're about two and a half miles from the border there. And um, overwhelmingly, what we heard from our, uh, our volunteers while we were out there serving them was, thank you, nobody ever does this for us. Come on, how cool is that? We left, came back to Uvalde. We had a community event Friday night. And uh, about 100 families received um, much needed food and supplies. And they kind of wiped out the school supplies on Friday night. And uh, how cool is that, man? The high school stuff that y'all brought. Um, and talking to the principal out there, his mind was just blown, man. Just like, I can't believe people in Georgia would do this for you. And uh, I told the Border Patrol and I told the schools and I told everybody I could tell out there, man, in Sugar Hill, Georgia, there's a lot of people praying for you and for you and love you. And all of them just wanted to give you this one word, thank you. We found this one school that uh, I knew about, but I hadn't been there yet. Dr. Lopez is a principal there. And it's a school um, that just kind of blew my mind a little bit. And you get to the school, it's the facilities for the school, you wouldn't, you wouldn't most of you wouldn't let your, your dog be boarded there. It's so rough. They have about 150 students. They've graduated over the past four years, about 160 students. And um, every student there was a former dropout. 40% of their students have children. Think about that. 40% of their kids get on a bus with their kids and take their kids to a daycare and then come to school. And then after school, get back on the same bus, go pick up their kids, and then go to wherever they go. 40% of the kids, the reason they dropped out was they had kids. Now, you could be an uptight church person and say, well, they, you know, they shouldn't have had done all that, you know. Let me just tell you in the Greek what that says is stop it. Our job's not to worry how they got there. Our job is to love them where they're at. Are you with me? Yeah. So, um, so I'm walking through this facility with Ozzy, and I'm looking around at everything. And I'm telling you, y'all may not have ever experienced this, but there are times in my life where it's like God reaches down and grabs me by the earlobes and says, pay attention. I'm on this campus, and I'm telling you, God's like, pay, pay attention, Chuck. We're about to do something here. So this principal... 
Let me tell you his story. He, he was raised in Uvalde, grew up in Uvalde, was dropout of the high school in Uvalde. His family moved to Chicago for his dad's job. While in Chicago, he went back to high school, graduated, worked his way through college, worked his way through his PhD, and gave his life to move back to Uvalde to get kids who were once dropouts to become first-generation high school graduates in Uvalde, Texas. And when I, when I heard his story and got to know he and his staff, I am telling you, they are so Sugar Hill, it's ridiculous. I mean, I thought to myself, welcome to the family, buddy. We, we are with you. So we just started walking around looking at all the needs. I mean, they need, they need their building painted. They got, they got weeds literally in where those kids meet that are two and a half, three feet tall. They have, for like a, for a basketball court, they have like wood planks with nails. I mean, I'm not making this up. It's, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And um, so he said, well, anything you could do would be awesome. So like maybe, maybe we could like wash the, the, the wood deck that kids walk to school on. And I said, no, we'll rebuild it. And he said, well, maybe we could nail those nails down on the, on that court. And I said, no, we're going to tear that up and pour it in concrete and stripe it for you and put up some NBA quality goals. And he, I mean, I'm looking over and this dude's just weeping. And I'm just thinking, that, that's my boy right there, man. We're all in. And he said, we're going to landscape. I'm going to say, we're going to landscape this thing and we're going to make it right. And he's got this wall. I don't even know why it's there, but it's like this wood wall out in the middle of the, and it was like, I mean, just doing nothing. It's just dilapidated, right? And I said, what do you want to do with that? He said, you know, when I got here, what I really wanted to do is I wanted to put our logo up there so our kids could have a place to take pictures and become proud of the school they go to. And it's like, done. I mean, and I said, when do you go back to school? He said, we start September 6th. I said, well, between now and then, we're going to get your weeds done. We're going to get your landscape. We're going to get that sign done. Then we're going to come back. We're going to build you basketball court, and we're going to get you a place for these kids to gather outside. And somehow, some way, in the next couple of years, we're going to get a couple of double wides that are air-conditioned, nice and clean. We're going to put them on his property to be a daycare for those kids so those kids who come with kids can drop off their kids at the same place they go to school. And somehow, we're going to do all that. Now, for those of you that are fiscally responsible, you are sitting here saying, well, how in the world are we going to do that? Here's the good news and the bad news. Well, we're going to do that. And the bad news is, I'm not sure how yet. But I'm telling you, I know the Lord will provide because he already has and he will. Because if, if the Lord's in it, you don't have to beg for it. Are you with me? Amen. Speaking of which, um, I need to do something we never do around here. I need to do a vote. This church really doesn't vote on much. Like, if I die, you have to vote on a new pastor, right? You got to vote on that. You know, I'm not planning to do that today, but should that happen, like, Bobby, if I fall over and I'm dead as a hammer, you have to vote right? So then the, the second thing is the church bylaws, they do not allow, nor should they, to allow me or the staff to put us in debt, to sell property, to do anything with assets. We have trustees that you voted on to act on your behalf, but the church has to approve that. So three and a half years ago, we entered into a campaign called Imagine Zero, Imagine More. And the goal was, could we go from 11 years ago being in debt, a little over $8.2 million to zero debt? Now, you could say, well, what's important about zero debt? Zero debt means somewhere between thirty and $40,000 a month, you stop giving to the bank and you spend on ministry. Amen? So um, this Friday on August the 12th, we're prepping for a closing so that by 5 p.m. Friday, this church will be debt-free for the first time in almost 50 years. 
so that we can reach more people for Christ, right? Like we're, we don't want to build fountains and edifices and statues around here. We want, we, this, we're doing about people work, right? Because the work of God is about people. It's about the redemption of mankind. Well, I want to join God where he's at work. And that's, that's, that's the effort so that we can do that. So a uh, couple of years ago, you voted and approved the sale a part of our property because when we started Imagine Zero, Imagine More, we knew to get to the Imagine Zero part, y'all had to give a few million dollars, which you've done, praise God, and we'd have to sell some property. So at the time, you approved the sale of property around 20 acres or so, uh, and we thought that we'd get a couple of million dollars for it. So over the course of negotiating with the partner families and properties and our property, and then swapping out some land for them to take our retention water so that we could use our property, expanded to, you know, total with all the partners and everything, not quite 26 acres, right, Bobby, kind of in that neighborhood. So we need to do a vote so that our closing, our title company has all the the I's dotted and the T's crossed. And um, it comes down to this. In a minute, you can vote amen for yes, no for no. And it's you're approving the fact that the property we have under contract right now and has been under contract for some time and your trustees have approved it at 100% that uh, we'd close roughly in the neighborhood of $4.2 million. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, right? So here's what you're voting on. What you're saying is uh, trustees and church, my vote for, which is an amen, your vote for, is that I agree that you move forward in selling the property that is under contract now, that our trustees can act on our behalf to close that property this week, or if something happens, gets delayed, you can move beyond that. Um, but to make sure that that's official on the record and we have documentation for our title company in the closing to make that happen. So if you would vote in the affirmative that we sell the property that is under contract for roughly the 4.2 million, would you say amen? Would you say it like you mean it? Thank you. Uh, We welcome dissenting thought in the life of this church. Uh, The best advice I ever got from a pastor was know people and let them disagree with you. Okay, so it's okay if you disagree. Totally okay. And we would actually admire and say thank you for your kindness and for your heart of truth. And so if, if you feel responsible to say on record... The answer for me is no, I don't want to do that. You say that out loud by now by saying no. Going once, going twice, sold. Yeah. I promised the pastor search team that allowed me to be here, sitting in that room that we now call meet and greet. I promised them that as long as I was your pastor, one of the goals was we're going to get you out of debt. Praise God. We're going to do it. 11 years in, but we did it. And I'm telling you, that's the goodness of God. So thank you. Thank you so much. If you would direct your attention to the screens, my buddy Parker has a few announcements that I'd love for you to get caught up on. Good morning, Sugar Hill Church, and welcome home. My name is Parker, and I just wanted to say thanks for spending part of your morning with us. We often say welcome home because that's our hope, that you'll feel welcome and at home. We certainly aren't a perfect church, but we are the perfect place for folks who aren't. I'm excited to tell you about some of the things we have going on around our church over the next few weeks, so check this out. 
August is Stock the Pantry Month for our backpack ministry. Every single week, we help provide food for hundreds of kids in our community through the Backpack Project. Next week, it'd be super helpful if you brought with you canned chicken, boxed mac and cheese, peanut butter crackers, or applesauce. Thanks in advance for your generosity. Small groups are kicking off on Sunday, August 14th. We love small groups because they provide a community of people that you get to do life with. Check out the group's brochure, swing by the table in the lobby, or visit sugarhill.church adults to get signed up for the perfect group. Ladies, join us for a meaningful time of prayer and fellowship on August 20th. Our heart's desire is to love each other and build each other up. And we believe those two things are done through intentionality. We'll gather in the fellowship hall from 9.30 a.m. to 11 a.m., enjoy breakfast catered by Waffle House, and pray together. The cost is just $15 to join and space is limited. Head to sugarhill.church women to register. There are so many places for you to get plugged in to serve at Sugar Hill Church, and we need you. Join us for SHC Serve on August 21st at 9.30 a.m. to meet some of our staff and find the right fit for you. You can register at sugarhill.church serve. We have a lot going on around here, so don't forget, you can find any of these details and more by heading to the SHC app and clicking on the latest. You can also follow us on social media to stay up to date on everything we have going on around here. Thanks again for being with us today. As always, you picked a great day to be here and welcome home. Welcome home. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, if you're new around here, uh, they're going to put a uh, code on the screen. And if you would take your device and point it there, they're going to leave it up for a minute. And uh, it'll pop up a little yellow bar, touch that yellow bar, and that'll open up a, um, a little guest info card. Take a few seconds to fill it out. I promise you nobody's going to come bang on your door, mess up watching the Braves of the race this afternoon. But uh, we do have a gift we'd love to send you because I wish I could describe to you how much it means to us that you'd come share your Sunday morning with us. I mean, really, that's very special. We talk about it all the time, that uh, what a blessing to be able to have folks come join us sometimes for the first time yeah. on a Sunday morning. So thanks for doing that. And then um, they're going to change the code. And uh, by the way, this is my friend, uh, Pastor Bobby McGraw. He and I, we share the pulpit about 50-50, and a lot of times we teach together, which is a lot of fun. I know that's weird. A lot of churches don't do that, but we have a blast every time we do it. And y'all just need to know we never rehearse it. So what comes out, I mean, you never know. You never know. Yeah, and usually it's Bobby's fault because... <laughs> huh, do y'all believe that? Did you hear that? If you're in favor of Pastor Chuck sticking to his notes, say amen. Any opposed? Yeah, there's a lot opposed, so. Let me you, stop and say that's not going to happen anyway. So, um, so would you tell them about the offerings? So I'll on? do it. Uh, I want to echo Pastor Chuck's heart to say thank you. Things like Uvalde could not happen without the generosity right. of our church, and we are so grateful uh, you know, sometimes when people think about giving, sometimes they think, well, we've got to give out of habit or we have to do it out of rules. Whatever your reason is, I hope that you know that we count it a privilege to be able to partner together to fund the ministry. Amen. And so the QR code on the screen is super practical. Uh, it takes about $10,000 a month just to keep the lights on in this building. It keeps about, I don't know, probably a couple of Forty, fifty thousand to keep our air conditions running every year. I don't know how your AC is, but here at the church with thirty-something units, there's always something going on. We've got a few hundred kiddos in kids worship right now. We've got a couple hundred students in small groups. So just know that the only way we do these things is because of your continued generosity. So if you haven't given yet and you want to be part of that, you can use the QR code that was on the screen, but might come back if I'm maybe, maybe, 
Boom. There it is. And then also uh, there, there are boxes at the door. So if you want to yes. drop some cash or a check, uh, please know that everything you give goes a far, far away. Yeah, so we're super grateful. If you still want to give to the uh, Uvalde effort, you just weren't prepared last week, you can do that on the app yeah. and um, just pick missions and it'll go directly to Uvalde. Yep. Or you can drop it in the box or see any of our ushers or staff. They're happy to do that because I promise you 100% of what happened in Uvalde was because of your gracious generosity. Thank you, thank you, thank one, you. One of our things that we love is that we're not just swooping in, doing an event, and then right. we're out. We've built a partnership where over time we're, we're going to keep going back. So your yeah. ongoing support of that effort is amazing. I mean, part, of the, part of the challenge in a place like Uvalde that's had such a uh, crisis is that there are a lot of organizations that come in and kind of make a show, get a photo op, and you know shoot a commercial for it, but they leave. And uh, our heart is to be invisible there, that there's no credit given to anybody but Jesus, and that we're invisible serving schools and uh, churches and families. And really, what we're going to be there almost every quarter for five years trying to help make a difference there. So, we'll, I mean, I'm not sure how much that's going to cost or how we're going to do it all quite yet. That's this week's job. But we're sure going to get there, and I thank you. Today, we're talking about time. Yeah, everybody's favorite subject, right? Time. Does anybody feel like they've got too much time on their hands? Anybody? I didn't think so. Anybody feel like they're short on time? Yeah, so over this month, as we kick off uh, basically a new semester, I know the calendar year doesn't start till January, but for so many of us, we think about the school year. And here at the church, we think about this is a brand new start. And so to, instead of just launching into something random for the month of August, we've been praying over probably for four or five months now, what is it that we sense God's word is for this church? Now, obviously, we're grateful that lots of people watch online from other churches or just from around the world, but our heartbeat really is over this month, what is the word for Sugar Hill Church? Right. What, are, what are the things that we feel like God wants to say to us? And so week one, we start with this idea of time. That's right. Time yeah, is so, one of those things that everybody has the same amount of, yeah, yeah, yeah. but we spend it differently. That's what I was about to say is that we're, uh, I find this interesting that if you had a bank account and every morning, like at the stroke of midnight, $86,400 went into the bank account, but you had to spend it by 11.59 p.m. that day, my guess is you'd do a good job at it. Amen. Right? Like if, if I knew tomorrow morning that you were going to put $86,400 in my bank account, it would be gone by lunch because I would be busy spending the money, right? Any Amazon Prime people, anybody? Bless the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. But, you know, I've learned two-day delivery doesn't really work anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's a lie. Yeah. You know, because, yeah. So, but that's another sermon. But having said that, what I would say to you is this. Every day you're given 86,400 seconds. And if we were to be as intentional with that as we would with our money, it might be interesting how God could use us to do something extraordinary in his kingdom. Now, here's, here's the problem. At the end, when 1159 rolls over to midnight, you get a new 86,400, but there's no rollover seconds in God's, God's kingdom or his economy. So if you don't use them, they're gone. Mm -hmm. Now, here's what I've learned because uh, Jenny and I have had our season where we lost everything. And when I say everything, it's not like, how you know, we held on to the house, we held on to retirement. We lost everything and started from scratch back in 08, 09. And uh, many of you did, you know. Here's, what, here's the most important lesson I learned, that you can lose money 
but you can make it back. But when you lose time, it's gone forever. That's right. Those 86,000 are gone. I read a story about a man, uh, Bobby, that uh, his job at the, at, he was in like a mill town, yeah. and his job at the end of the day when he got done in his work was, to, he was the guy that went to the chain and pulled you know, the, the air horn, you know, and the day is over, right? So this guy, every day to work, would stop, would walk by downtown, this little shop that had a grandfather clock in it, in the window, he would stop and set his watch to the grandfather clock, and that's how he knew, hit five o'clock at the right time. Right. So after doing this for years, on his way home one day, he finally sees the shop owner, and he stops and he says, hey, how is it that you're able to keep this wind-up grandfather clock in perfect time so that I know when to hit the air horn. And the guy said, well, it's easy. At the end of the day, at every, five, every day at five o'clock, when I hear the air horn, I set the grandfather clock. <laughs> and as a reminder, be careful what you're setting your time to yeah. because the whole world has a plan for your 86,400 seconds, but God has a plan he wants you to kind of jump after. And Benjamin Franklin said this, and I think it's wonderful. Do not squander time for it is the stuff that life is made of. Because like Bobby said, I don't know anybody that I don't hear this from. I'm so busy. I'm so tired. I wish there were more, there were either more hands or more hours in the day. I wish I could do all that. But here's the thing. All of us have the same amount of seconds, minutes, hours, weeks, and months each year that Billy Graham had, that Dr. Martin Luther King had, that Mother Teresa had. We all have the same amount of time. So you say, well, what made them exceptional? It wasn't how much more time they had because we all have the same. It's what they did with it. So today we want to walk you through this acrostic that we believe the Word of God, especially in Psalm 90, tells us what we're to do. And in Psalm chapter 90, uh, it starts really in the first four verses, but we're going to focus on verse 10 and 12 where it says, 70 years are given to us. Some even live to 80. Now, we know in our world today, it's not unusual that we have 90-plus-year-olds. That's not unusual. And part of the great challenge in our world today is how do we care for aging parents? I mean, I don't know any, anybody my age that's not struggling with how do I care for my aging parents. It's a big, big deal. But the Scripture says, well, sometimes they live on, longer, right? But then it says, but even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. Teach us, in verse 12, teach us to realize, listen to this phrase, the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. So the psalmist is saying to us that we need to learn how to manage and measure and live with our time so we would treat it as preciously, and this is the first letter, the T in time, that we treat it like treasure. Because remember, you can make more money but you can't make more time. When people say, you know, time is money. No, it's not. Time is time. And, and if, if we don't learn to treasure it, we're going to forget that God cares about time because he gave us the construct. But God is not limited by the construct of human time. We are. God lives in timing. Because remember, when you get to heaven, there's going to be no need for a watch, a clock, or a smartphone. Because, you see, I'd give anything if I got to have a five-minute conversation with my dad after church. But my dad's in heaven. Now, you could say I could be sorrowful for that, or I could look at this and say, but I'm going to spend all eternity with my dad because my dad knew God, and he knew his purpose in Christ. 
I'm his son. I know God, and I know God's purpose in my life. We have all eternity to chat in God's timing because he's not limited to the time here on earth. Now, before Bobby jumps into treasure, I want to give you this concept. You realize, sitting here right now, that there, short of Jesus returning, 100% of us on this earth are going to die, right? So just turn to somebody right now, just around you, and say, you don't have long to live. Is that a blessing or what? I mean, nothing will get you more excited than, oh, thank you. That's so kind. You don't have long to live. I'm keenly aware of that, bro. You know what's interesting? You get 60 plus and you start thinking to yourself, what am I going to do with my life? Because I want to make a difference. Like I look at Uvalde, and you know what I think to myself? Man, I'm, I'm almost 63. I don't know how many years I got left, but I want to do something big. I mean, I want to, I want to go out in a fireball, man. Yeah. You know, let's do something, yeah. you know? So if we don't learn to treat time like a treasure, we're behind the eight ball already. Yeah. The idea of treasure is to realize that time really is precious. Yeah. Uh, some of y'all know my story. My dad was a few years away from retiring, and he had lived most of his life planning for the future. Hey, one day when I retire, one day when I retire, one day, one day, one day, one day, one day. And then he was, got a diagnosis and three months later passed away. Mm. And so when you think about the shortness of time, there's something. And you all have experienced similar things, haven't you? I mean, we've all yeah. been through those yeah. moments where you think, man, I've got all the time in the world. So... What happens when you feel like you've got all the time in the world is you don't pay attention to the time that you have right now. Right. But when you think about it, think, think about this. Sometimes people are like, well, what, what difference does a year make? Well, talk to any student that has failed a grade and had to repeat it. A year is a big deal. Mm. Or sometimes you're like, well, what's the big deal about how I spend a month? But you talk to any mom that's given birth prematurely to a baby, every month matters, doesn't it? Or somebody's like, man, what's the big deal about minutes? Minutes, not, not a big deal, but you talk to somebody that had a cardiac episode and there happened to be somebody that knew how to do CPR and knew how to help them every minute matters, right? Amen. Or somebody's like, well, it doesn't really matter the seconds, but you talk to somebody that almost got hit by a train or almost got clobbered at an intersection and seconds matter. Sometimes they're like, well, what, what's, milliseconds don't matter. But you talk to an Olympian that just missed it by six-tenths of a second. Yeah. Time really is precious. Right. And so I love how Moses in Psalm 90 said, Lord, would you teach me how brief life is? Or another way right. to say it is, would you help us to number our days? And one of the results is when you realize how little time there is, you make the most of the time you have now. Somebody said it this way. They said, past is history the future is a mystery. All we have is today, and that's why we call it a present. Yeah, so and good. so let's start with that first T. Let's treasure it. Let's realize it's valuable. You can make more money. You could use that money to buy better health, but you can't recreate time. So let's start with that first T so of treasuring it. we learn it. to treasure time, we can live a little bit by this word that a great theologian, A. David Tozer, said. This is his quote. He said, time is a resource that is non-renewable, and non-transferable. You cannot store it, slow it up, hold it up, divide it up, or give it up. You can't hoard it up or save it for a rainy day. When it's lost, it's unrecoverable. When you kill time, remember it has no resurrection. So oftentimes what we forget is that this time that we've been given, yes, is a treasure, but because it's a treasure, we ought to invest it, yeah. which is the second letter. It's the part of the acrostic. We treasure time, but we have to learn to invest 
our time. You know, if you had the 86,400, one of you would be sitting here and saying, you'd be the first person to say, hey, since I'm going to get more of this tomorrow, I need to invest some of it now, not to spend it all, because I would like to have this resource grow and build. I want to leave something for my kids. I want to leave something for my spouse. I want to leave something so the kingdom work continues to happen. I would like to be a part of something that's bigger and something continues in my life. Time is that way. What you invest in can indeed outlive you if you choose to invest it, not burn it. So when we think about investing, I think it's important for us to recognize this thought that you cannot save time. You truly can only invest it. It's not going to roll over like we talked about. Back in the 70s, uh, there was a singer by the name of Jim Croce. He was kind of a folk singer. Some of y'all have been around. You remember Jim Croce. And Jim Croce sang a song, and here's where the lyrics. He said, if I could save time in a bottle, the first thing that I'd like to do is to save every day till eternity passes away just to spend them with you. Now, those are great lyrics. It's a great love song. It's a great ballad. And it would be nice if you could save time, but you can't. In fact, a few months after Jim Croce wrote that song and recorded it, he was tragically killed in a plane crash in Natchitoches, Louisiana at the age of 30. You cannot save time. Here's the second part of investment. When you invest your, what you invest your time in, like what you choose to invest in reveals what is most important to you. My pastor growing up used to say, hey, if you want to know what's important, just take a look at your calendar, take a look at your yeah. checkbook. Yeah. Whatever keeps popping up, that's really... But that's true, right? Yeah. Where we spend our time and where we spend our money inevitably gives us a detail of what matters most to us. Like it, there's, there's nothing wrong with having a boat, a second, you know, a second home. A, I mean, th- those are wonderful things. Like, bless God, if you've got them, well, we're happy to use them. But honestly, if, if, but the, the cool thing is, but when you keep your priorities in line, what happens is you invest your time and your resources in that which matters most. And if, if Christ matters most to you, remember what we say, when Christ gets at the right priority of your life, you will make all the right decisions, including what you invest in. Because you can't save it, you can only spend it and invest it. Billy Graham said in a speech at Wheaton College, he said, time is the capital that God has given us to invest. People are the stocks in which we are to invest our time, whether they're blue chips or penny stocks or even junk bonds, that we're to invest in people. We were in Uvalde and uh, uh, Kathy and Alma met this lady coming through to get school supplies whose sister passed away the week of the shooting of cancer. So she has now taken on their children, and with that, she has eight girls, five of which are not in school yet. Wow. By the way, she's a single mom with no parental support, and so Kathy and Alma I snuck a picture of them praying with this lady, but then they didn't stop there. They took the investment that you made to another level and took her shopping individually to get every kid what they needed and everything that she needed and went back and stocked her house because the investment in that is going to yield kingdom and eternal results forever. And I would argue that's better than buying Apple stock. Did you realize, I I thought this was interesting, Bobby, that there are 168 golden precious hours in the week, that the average person will spend about 56 of those hours sleeping, and some of you are saying not even close, about 24 of those hours eating and personal hygiene, about 50 of those hours working or traveling to work, 
which means that at max, you've got about 35 hours of, quote, discretionary, end quote, time left over, which is about five hours a day. And some of you are saying, not even close, right? But I want you to think about those times. I mean, they're not off for most of us. So that means that there's five hours in the day that you can invest. The question is this. You go back to people like Dr. King or Dr. Graham or Mother Teresa, and you stop and you ask yourself, or, or like Alma and, and, and Kathy, and you stop and say, what about those times? Well, I would say that, remember, they've chosen to invest in the kingdom by investing in people. The reason Sugar Hill Church does what we do, rather than focus on how many people you can get in this building, is that we believe when you invest in people inside and outside, the kingdom of God expands, and we want to chase after what God is at work, which is the redemption of mankind. The beautiful thing, when you invest your time in kingdom work, people are not just redeemed, but their time and their days are redeemed. The times in which we lost everything have been redeemed because when people come to my office for counsel on what to do, when their finances are whacked out, I've experienced it and been there. When somebody comes and says, my spouse have cancer, I've experienced it and I've been there. Are you with me? Everything you've experienced from the day you were born till today, when you invest into people in the kingdom work, God will redeem every good and bad moment for his glory and for your good. But you must invest your time in the kingdom, which leads us from treasure to investment to one of Bobby's favorite topics, the management of time. You must learn to manage your time. We are productivity geeks. Like Bobby's 20 years younger than me, and yet there are very few days we're not swapping something about an app or a process or a style or a way in which we can get more productive. Yeah. We are ridiculous. What's funny is when we're talking about productivity, Beth on our team is being productive. So there's a difference between talking about it and doing it, right? You didn't have to say that. Oh, okay. I take that back. Uh, this idea of managing time is so important. One of the illustrations that actually Pastor Chuck has done before, and maybe you've seen it in a work environment, is there's an executive that was trying to make the point about how you manage time. And so he had this illustration where he had this large, clear glass jar and then he used different objects to represent choices we make with our time. And so he took this big jar and he had six or seven uh, giant rocks and he put those six or seven rocks inside the jar. And so it filled the jar up and he asked the question, is the jar full? And everybody in the room's like, yeah, yeah, the jar's full. And he said, not yet. And then he pulls out sort of a bucket of sand and he takes that sand and he begins to pour it into the jar and that sand works its way in between those rocks. He picks up the jar, shakes it and says, now is the jar full? And I'm like, yeah, 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 the jar is full. And he says, not yet. And then he takes out like a pitcher of water. He starts pouring water in and water finds its way through the, the sand and through the rocks and it fills up and he shakes it together. He's like, now is it full? And they're like, yes, it's full. And so basically, he's like, well, what's the lesson here? And, and one of the people in the room is like, the lesson is you can always fit more in. <laughs> that is our life right now, isn't it? It's like, you know, I'm drowning. What do I need to do? Let me add more. Let me add more. And he said, no, here's the lesson. The only way this works is when you put the big rocks in first. Right, right. And so when you think about putting investment and management together, it's the, realize, it's the realization that not every choice is an equal choice. Everything we say yes to, we're saying no to something else. And so what would happen if before we put the sand and the water into our schedule, what would happen if we managed time by saying, I want to get the big rocks in there first? 
Uh, now, with our team, we took a few minutes on Tuesday with our leadership team, and we talked about five Fs that are sort of some of the big rocks. They're things like your faith, right? How is your faith? What, what, what amount of time is that getting on your schedule? Or what about your family? Or even if you're single, those close friends around you, what relational time do you have? We talked about friends. Do you have people that you're around that are life-giving to you? We talked about finances. Where does finances play in your schedule? We talked about fitness. How are you being well and healthy? And so whether you use a list like that or not, what we would say is, would you consider when you look at your calendar, when you look at the things you say yes to, would you start by saying, what are those investments and what are those managements, those big rocks that are going to make the biggest difference? And as we're kicking off a new semester, I would say to every parent, if you've got a middle school or a high school, or since we talked about student ministry today, maybe you would consider some of those big rocks being small groups every Sunday at 11, or maybe the big rocks would be Wednesday nights where they can invite their friends, or maybe you've got a student that wants to go deeper. Maybe you'd say that big rock is being part of monthly student leadership, but we get to decide how we manage our time by talking about those big rocks. And here's the thing that we've both talked about. If you don't manage time, somebody's going to do it for yeah, you. I promise you that one of the things I know is that if you don't choose to manage your time in God's fashion, Satan's going to manage your time for you. Because one of the best ways that he uses to draw you out of living for God is to convince you that there's no time for you to do so. But it is what we choose to do. Because one of the things that I've learned about this is when it comes to the management of time, I watched a pastor do this same example with the jar and the rocks and the sand. And so what he did was when it got time to pour the water in, when it looks like it's full, he pours the water in and it fills on up, but he keeps pouring the water. And as he pours the water, the sand comes out and the pebble comes out and the the water comes out. He's just got a big mess on the floor. And here's what he said. When you allow Satan to manage your time, you spend all your time cleaning up your mess. You don't spend your time on what's happening and what's functioning and what matters most because you spend all your time cleaning up a mess. I've been there because this is what being overwhelmed feels like. You're just constantly cleaning up a mess so you're not spending your time on those things which are productive for the kingdom of God. So I'm going to get incredibly invasive with you for just a minute, all right? And that is, so uh, as a pastor, one of the things that I hear a lot is, Pastor, we don't have any time to spend with our kids on like talking about the things of God or or getting them to church or it's hard to even be here consistently on Sundays in their small group or Wednesday nights or whatever. And what I've learned is this, that many of us have been trained and taught by our society that what we do as parents is we worship our children. And when all we do is worship our children and do everything that we want that kid to have. If we're not careful, we never teach that child to worship. And all we do is worship our kids. And what happens is then our worship and their worship gets disconnected from God. Now, I was a kid that played ball. I just went from season to season and love it, right? And I still think kids ought to play ball. I think kids ought to be out there and play ball. But let me just stop and and be brutally honest. Most of your kids by the time they hit high school or done, they're done playing ball. And within two months after high school, nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to give a hoot how good your eight-year was in, in travel ball. I mean, truly, I just want to bless you with that thought. All right? But I also want to say to you, if you're worshiping travel ball or travel cheerleading more than you're teaching your children to worship, there's a reason why you don't have time for God. 
because you have supplanted him in the process and priority of children. That's why in Deuteronomy it says, from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, I will teach my children. Listen, you don't have to have a church service with your kids. You just have to have enough time to point out all the goodness of God around them and surround them with the fact that you will openly speak on the things of God as easily as you do about their soccer team. Not one amen on that one? So I want to encourage you that we get to this last letter, you know, treasure, invest, manage, and now enjoy. Yeah. Now, some of you, especially some hardcore, hardcore church people are going to struggle with this one because what you've heard all your life is our nature for sin and how bad you are. But now hear me. God gave us the construct of time that we might enjoy our time on this earth. God wants you to be joy-filled. God wants you to enjoy this journey. We are going to have hard times. We are going to have difficult times. Being a Christian does not exclude you from going broke, difficult times with your kids, addiction, and everything else. All of that we're still susceptible to. But God does not want you to allow the management and investment of your time to be stolen from Satan such that you don't enjoy the journey in your marriage, with your children, with your time, and with your faith family. And so when we do this and we get to enjoy, I want to give you a couple of thoughts. Number one, learn the greatest word in the English language when it comes to managing your time. No. Just learn how to say that. Some of us, including me, are such people pleasers that one of the things we don't know is how to say no. Because every time you say yes to something, you are saying no to something else. So be careful which order you get that in. In Uvalde the other day, we, we got invited to go do all kind of border work up and down the southern border. San Diego, Yuma, you name it, just everywhere. And you know what was easy? It was to look at them and say, no, we're called to Uvalde. No. I don't want to rob somebody else's blessing by going there because I know the blessing of being honoring to what God's called us to do now. When we know God and we know our purpose, it's easy to say no to those other things. So learn the power of this and say no to time robbers. There are people and activity in your life that I promise you they may not mean evil, but Satan would love to use them to rob you of your time so you have no time to do what God wired you and created you to do. Learn to say no. Secondly, learn to create and craft time for happy memories. Every time I do a funeral, or most every time, I remember this, this old hymn, Precious Memories, How They Linger, How They Linger on Your Soul. If you don't intentionally build them, they will not be there. The memories that you will have will be the memories of sorrow and heartache unless you intentionally build inside the time with your little ones, with your middle schoolers, with your high schoolers, with your college age kids, with your adult kids, with your spouse, with your parents and your grandparents, build those intentional memories. One of the things I'm so grateful for is I remember so many more good times with my family than I do bad times. You know why? Because there was an intentionality to build happy memories. Listen to what James says in James chapter 4 verse 14. He says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while and then it's gone. We are a piled on, stretched to the limit society. We are chronically rushed, chronically late, chronically exhausted. We are overwhelmed and we are overloaded. And overload comes when we have too much activity in our life and we leave no margin for God. So 
my challenge to you today and Pastor Bobby's challenge to you today is, are you willing to this week give some intentionality to how would I create some margin in my life with intentionally saying I'm going to fill that margin, not with more noise, but I'm going to fill it with more God. So I'm going to do something that's odd in the life of church. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I want to give you silence for a moment and let the Lord speak into your life where you need to start crafting out margin. I had a young man after the 930 service came up to me and he said, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. And I started asking him how he spends his time and then praying with him. Right now, ask the Lord to reveal to you, are you spending your time wisely? Ask the Lord to reveal to you where he would have you invest your time. Ask the Lord to reveal to you what is it you truly do treasure. Ask the Lord to give you wisdom this week to manage your time. And then actively each day start intentionally choosing to build margins so you can enjoy the goodness of God with your family and your friends inside of your faith forever in the kingdom of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you that you gave us the construct of time, but you are not limited by it. You were driven by timeliness, that in the kingdom there is a purpose and a rhyme and a reason for which we all exist. And I pray that we would this week carve out time to know you and to discover that purpose in our life. And then we might treasure it and invest it and manage it well so that we might enjoy you this week and that we might end this week not overwhelmed and not overloaded, but that we might be overjoyed in how you've given us the wisdom to manage our time and your kingdom. My friend, the only way we do that is when Jesus is at the center of our life. Choose him today. And I pray this in the name of Jesus, our King, our Savior, and our Lord. And everyone said, amen. On behalf of, on behalf of my friend, Pastor Bobby, our whole staff and team, I want to thank you for being here today. Man, it means a lot to us. I trust today that you can walk away from this and know there is benefit to building treasure investment management and enjoyment into this margin of time because it gives you a peace that you cannot have any other way. It helps you have stronger relationships like you could have never had before. It gives you the opportunity to literally have better emotional, mental, and physical health. And it allows you to know my purpose and usefulness in the kingdom. And my desire is that you enjoy your time this week in the power of Jesus the Lord. So thank you for being here. Let him go before you, the Lord of all time, and make a way and make your crooked path straight. Let him go within you and bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment because he is always good and you are always loved inside of all your time. And when the way does get difficult, and it will, let him come behind you and carry you, not around the mess, but through the middle of it, only to get your rocks right 
and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and wrap his loving arms around you and draw him up close to yourself so you can hear your Savior say, my child, say it with me, I love you. Go enjoy your time in the name of Jesus. God bless you. Go in peace. Wow, that was a terrible clap at the end. Did we put y'all to sleep or what in the world was the deal with that? I'm so glad y'all were here. See you next week.